0: Hello everyone, uh, it's been quite some time since we released an actual podcast. Uh, if you have been slacking on your CornFed Coaching uh, material, we've released three videos on our YouTube page, the CornFed Coaching Podcast, and uh, we did episode 38 with Tiffany Weimer and Adelaide Gay of the DuckTig brand. We did episode 39 with Craig Rocastle, uh, and we did episode 40 with Gary Kernin. So three really good episodes. Um, We will be trying to upload the audio from those episodes uh, as well up to the um, podcast feed. But until then, they're great videos as well, so go check those out. Today we have a dual episode. Um, Our main guest is Troy McCarroll, and he'll give you a bunch of his backstory. A fantastic young coach, gives a lot of great insight to the unique experiences that he has uh, had thus far in his career kind of coaching career, and then we also have a little bonus snippet of the Francisco Magria uh, episode. I'm sorry, Francisco, if I, uh, I didn't get that right. I got it right on the podcast, so I uh, hope you can forgive me, um, and we will definitely be back in Kansas City at some point uh, to further interview Francisco and get a little more in-depth with him because he has uh, an, another fantastic coaching experience journey. Um, And has coached at a really high level all over the country and is doing um, some awesome things uh, out in Kansas City for the community there. So, um, check them both out. They're broken up by uh, our intro song, so you'll hear the intro song. Uh, Troy's will be first, and then the outro of Troy's is the intro to Francisco's, um, and it goes right there. So, um, enjoy. Let's, uh, Let's kick off the pod. Welcome back to a long-awaited world. We've been off the air for quite some time. We're officially back with a podcast. Uh, we are filming, too, so I guess it's a, a first-time event as well. Um, we're happy to announce that we're in Kansas City, Missouri, mm-hmm. and we are with a very special guest today, Mr. Troy McCarroll, and he is going to give us a bunch of great information Uh, Troy, we always start off the pod uh, by having the guests jump right in. So if you want to give the people a little background on uh, your previous history within the game and then what you're currently up to, it would be great.
1: Sure. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Um, That's my best. Yeah, of course, no problem. Um, Yeah, so just for me, originally from Scotland, um, Glasgow, grew up there, just outside of Glasgow so that I was 17 when I went in full time with my first soccer contract as a professional. Um, so it was good experience. didn't get the first team playing minutes that I wanted so decided to switch it up and come over to America. Uh, came over here 2009 to Kansas City and I was fortunate enough to go to Maplewood Junior College and then I went on a full ride to Benedictine College up in Natchez in Kansas. So I've adopted Kansas City as my second home, you know, my home away from home in America. Um, I had a great coach up there, Rob Herringer, and we had a very successful team as well. So, Decent. It was good experiences, you know.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, moving on from there, went played a little bit in Australia as in the VPL out there, and then went back home to Scotland. And that's, that's kind of when things stopped for me playing wise for a little bit. Uh, I tore my hamstring when I was back in Scotland on trial. And it kind of went quiet, and then came back out to America, um, and I was actually up in Iowa.
0: Yeah.
1: Was <laughs> so it didn't last long, but um, I was up in Osceola, Iowa, with Jamie Highcock, at William Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you boys know Jamie.
0: Oh yeah, been a guest.
1: Yeah, has indeed. So that I done that, and then after William Penn decided to come back down to Kansas City, um, from there. That's kinda when I was at a crossroads of wasn't sure what to do, um, both coaching and playing wise, you know. I had some club teams and stuff like that when I was here. But then a close friend of mine, Vlad Gwandanowski, um, who's a current women's national team coach for America, he was the first team coach um, with the professional women, you know, so came back, I would go and watch them train, talk with him, stuff like that. And then I was actually fortunate enough that his assistant, one of his assistants, left um, Milan, so I spoke with flat and I said, like, look, next season, let me come on board and be your assistant, please, and he was more than happy to do so, you know, so that's where I kind of got my foot in the door for the first time in professional coaching, um, and then as I was doing that, I was also getting my masters at Avila University, so ended up getting my masters in psychology and organisational development, um, which was tough. I'm not the best academic <laughs> at all, but I've got it now and yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I went through it, I'm glad that I've done it. because um, it surprised well not surprisingly but a lot of it carries over into coaching as well, you know, that's kinda how I managed to navigate my way through it, was going, Okay, how can I relate? Really side of things into the playing side of things of what I know and what I'm used to, you know, and then from there, came out of retirement of not playing, so to speak um, and ended up joining the Comets so played with the Comets for a season um, which, it was fun, it was different, you know, the indoor games, a different game, different type of soccer you could say, but I still took things from that game that It's helping me as a coach in the outdoor game as well you know so it it was good I'm glad that I I tried it Um, and one one of the things from that as well was so obviously training finished by 12 o'clock in the afternoon majority of the people go home lie on the couch before you're going to go and coach your teams in the evening or whatever you know but I thought to myself I'm 10 minutes from United Soccer Coaches National Office like why not go in there and volunteer my time, see, see if they can put me to use, you know, and sure enough, they were able to put me <laughs> to use. I was in there uh, straight after training, just grabbing a quick bite tea right into the office and honestly, I was doing all the mundane things, you yeah. know, answering emails. They, they wanted me to be on the phone but I said with my accent <laughs> I don't know if it's wise that i on phone, you know? um, I don't know if you can transcribe it that quickly but no I was in there answering the phones, doing the emails little projects here and there but the big thing for me with that was I knew that Ian Barker was in there you know, I knew that Jeff was in there, I knew that Lynn the CEO was in there so I took it as okay that's an opportunity for me to get closer to these people, you know what I mean, like, if Troy McHarrell in Kansas City or anywhere, nobody knows, but I thought, okay, this is how I can make sure that they know who I am for future events or whatever it may be, you know, and it's, it's just so happened that from that, it's led to a path of amazing, crazy things for myself, um, I, give the United Soccer coaches a lot of credit for getting onto my UEFA licenses through the Northern Ireland Football Association with Nigel Best. Mm-hmm. You know, it was from having the relationship with Lynn, with Jeff, with Ian, that I was able to talk to the likes of Barry Gorman, Sheila Hyman, all these past presidents or people who have big influences with United Soccer coaches. And it just so happened that they were best friends with Nigel Best, you know. So from good, normal conversations with them, just asking questions, picking their brains, I was lucky enough to be accepted onto the fast track course for the UEFA license. So on that fast track course, I've done my B and my A license within what, a year and a half span. Wow. You know, like two visits or three visits, sorry, to Northern Ireland, Belfast, from here, which is. Not really heard of, you know, but it was unbelievable. Jermaine Jones, Stephen Peanut, Julian Lescott, Ricardo Carvalho. All these types of boys were on that course. And then there's me. <laughs> so to spend two weeks in tents, have the break with the year of doing your assignments, and then another week in tents with those boys. It's just the knowledge that I got from there was unbelievable so that was a huge thing um, and then before that the experiences with the professional women's tier, team here as well in Kansas City you know FC Casey and then WSL it was the first the first time that I coached women you know I went in there pretty much a quiet mouse. you know I, I knew where I stood I knew that the flag was said need a cup of coffee, i when want to get a cup of coffee sort of thing, you know, but more so just being there to observe the women, observe uh, Vladko, watch how they train, and then probably the most fun part of it all for me was actually just joining in training, you know, and for me, that's where I built my relationships with all these top professional women in the game, um, Becky Serber and the U.S label books, you know, it's just good names in the women's game. Um, but I felt that when I was on the field, it's like, okay, I go into my normal habits, so I'm not a quiet guy anymore, you know, I'm talking to the ladies, telling them where to go, giving them little bits of advice here and there, and then <clears throat> to see how they receive the information, and then it would be them who would be coming to me, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool, you know, so it gave me that little bit more confidence. It's like, right, okay, I'm slowly building into it. They've gained my trust, they've gained my respect. They understand kind of how I see the game. So now they're coming to me for advice. Um, So that, that was brilliant, you know? Um, And then, yes, it's it's ended up that after the UEFA course, uh, I actually went out to California. You know, I became really close with Jermaine Jones, he's like uh, a big brother to me now, so I went out there, helped him start up uh, a couple of businesses that he has, and then again, came out of retirement, <laughs> you know, we ended up playing with the indoor team in California, uh, so it was fun to be teammates with JJ sitting in the locker room, we're having a laugh and driving to and from practice together and stuff like that. And then the following season, instead of me playing, I said, okay, I'm officially not going to play anymore. So I asked the management and the owners if I could be on the coaching staff instead of playing. So this season just here, actually, this should be cancelled. I was on the coaching staff for the Ontario Fury. Um, which, again, new experience. It was good. I got to coach men older than me, men younger than me, men the same age as me. So challenging, you know, especially from being their teammate and then the changing room with them one season to then having to talk to them from a different perspective or say, or watch what I'm saying you know, or if they're asking me questions, watch how I answer those questions because at the end of the day I have to be seen as having the same point of view as the gaffer and sending the same message across as the gaffer, you know, so yeah, that's, that's not easy, but for me, I'm, I'm somebody who thinks a lot and doesn't really speak a lot, so I adjust you pretty quickly, you know what I mean? And the, the boys kind of knew that as well, and I think the gaffer knew that um, also, and that's why he was keen to have me switch from the player to the assistant from one season to the next, you know? And then, unfortunately, we're in the pandemic and all that stuff, so the season stop. Uh, I've moved back to Kansas City now, and back reconnected with my good friend Panchito, who's behind us, and this is his place that we're in just now, you know, but the big thing now is we have a project where we want to work with the, the inner city kids, the kids in the underserved communities, and really try and give them an opportunity and see where it can take them, you know, and that's kind of up to date <laughs>
2: And that's it, guys. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's multiple questions. Um, the one question that I would have is, what you, you've met so many people and you've done so much at such a young age as well. I think that a lot of coaches that I meet on licenses and just around our area, they struggle with um, kind of their brand what they want to do and how they want to act and that I think they act differently around other coaches to kind of get things and I I think people just struggle with their brand so talk a little bit more about kind of how you how you acted and what, what kind of things that you did to kind of build up your brand
1: yes it's a great question and honestly you have to be yourself you know it's it's one of those I mean I've travelled around quite a bit, you know, um, left home young. But if you're not yourself, it's going to catch up to you. You know, I I tell the story, and I said it on the little chat I done with Ian a couple of weeks ago as well. It's like, I went into United Soccer coach's office just asking to volunteer, giving them my time, you know, and Ian pulled me in the corridor one day and said, Troy, I want to help you. I'm willing to help you because you've not came in here smelling of your best cologne, you don't have your hair gelled back, you're not going, oh, I'm from the UK, what can you give me? Mm-hmm. You know, sort of Jack the Lad sort of thing, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then I think people realise that and recognise it, if if you're genuine, you know, like, I also look at being on the course with all these boys, you know, nobody knew who I was, I've not played in the stages that they've played, World Cups, European Championships and all that stuff. Yeah, I was just the quiet kid in the corner, getting on with my stuff until I stepped out onto the training ground and then I flipped the switch and to me everybody's equal, you know, and I mean even outside of the training ground everybody's equal to me anyway, you know what I mean, so I think it's it's just being true to yourself, taking that time as well, I have took a lot of time to think within and go, okay, who am I going to be true to? What, what are my values? What are my principles in life? You know, and then I feel like that always should carry on into coaching. And if you can do that, then people are going to be willing to help you. You know, and it takes some time, but you just have to be patient. And, yeah, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, that's fantastic. You have uh, obviously a broad and unique coaching journey just in general you've worked with a bunch of different groups and ones that right, are, t- are top level so talk about some of your takeaways so you, you talked about some different things you learned and in, in growing as a coach so what are some specific takeaways that you've gained through your UEFA courses through working with FC Casey? Yep. yeah
1: so <clears throat> I I also forgot to mention that I coached um, with the part of the Youth Academy when I was back home in Scotland as well for the little PD and um, and the head of the academy there, Scott Allison. I took a lot away from him. He's a close friend of mine, a mentor, Um, but his organisation, the way he treated every single player, staff member, as a person and individual first, was huge, you know? Um, so that was the biggest takeaway from my time there with them. And then we look at FC Casey I mean, mm-hmm. Becky Serbon, one of the best defenders in the world, you know, in the female game. I I built up a relationship with her that she was trusting and confident in me that I have in my personal laptop. Um, I think it was like an hour and a half long chat. I wouldn't say interview, but I asked her if I could pick her brains one day, you know. And, we in any detail from her childhood all her experiences all the way to being a top pro and this is information and stories that she's maybe not told many people before you know but I feel like okay for me to have gained that respect from her for her to be able to tell me all these things it was huge now obviously the takeaways that I got from that I can't really share because it's private stuff you know sure. but just the story and understanding okay he's delved into the mind of Becky who's one of the best defenders in the world at peak, you know what I mean so I feel confident now that okay if I'm working with young females I can give them little tidbits here and there obviously changing the message of the story of maybe where it came from or how to do it because I'm not obviously going to repeat Becky's story but still I feel I have that information that ammunition to help girls grow if they really want to I'll be like well this is what one of the best defenders in the world has done to reach her peak so I suggest or recommend that you do X, Y and Z as well you know Um, Gladco just watching him every single day you know Um, because obviously at FC Casey we didn't know what his next step was going to be Yes, he went to Seattle where he is now. You know, and I've witnessed the time, the effort, the hours that he's put in. And even before there was a women's professional team here on the club scene, you know, the time, the effort, the hours that he's put in there to take the path that he's took to where he is now. Um, so just witnessing it, it's been fantastic. Um, and then, for me, it's kind of like, right, okay, I look at it and I think, okay, if I want to get to a high level, and I've witnessed Vladko, somebody like Vladko, and all these hours, it's like, well, I need to at minimum match it, and then try and go even further above it to possibly get that opportunity, you know? So it, it humbles you, it makes you realize Okay, there's there's a ton of work to be done if, if you are saying to yourself you want to coach at that level. Now, if you don't want to coach at that level, that's okay. You know, but I've set myself goals that I do want to coach at that level. So now I know alright, this is the work that I need to put in. You know, and there's obviously everybody has a different paths and there's various ways to skin a cat, you could say, you know, but me having that foundation, so to speak, of a knowledge of Okay, this can produce a high level job, then that has to be the bare minimum, you know. Um, and then takeaways from the experience of even being in California, you know, going from the player to the assistant coach, going from being Jermaine Jones's good friend, you know, right hand man, his teammate, to then his coach. You know what I mean? Um, we've had numerous conversations just satisfied at, at night or over dinner or whatever. Me just picking his brain about his experiences on the top level. So trying to take those conversations and think how does that apply to the indoor game, you know, which was interesting because the indoor game is a completely different game. But listening to him saying, well, Champions League guy done X, Y, and Z that can be transferred into the indoor game and then for him to go and say, Watch, I'll do it this Saturday or something like that. And when he does it, you're like yeah, good. you know? <laughs> so then it starts to make me think as a coach, okay, maybe I can not reinvent the indoor game so to speak, but I can take information from a top player. Say, so well, why don't we try and implement this because teams haven't, well, have, weren't going to have seen it before, so it'll be a surprise to them, you know. So, then maybe that's our little extra nudge, you could say, our little extra 1% that we get that helps us playing against other teams, you know. And then, even in terms of the management side of things, because gee, I talk to them all the time, tell me the stories about the managers you've had, experiences you've had with them what managers you like the most and why and what managers you hated. So all that information now I'm retaining it, you know, I'm thinking, okay, okay, how can I implement that for myself as a manager? Because I I was surprised with some of the stories. Like coaching at the top is not what everybody thinks. Mm. You know, and again he's told me stories and stuff that obviously I'm not going to repeat, some that I can, but some of the stories that you're you're hearing, you're like, that really happens at the top level, you know, it's like, there's so many beavers and stuff like that when you get there that it's it's not easy to control (laughs) a dressing room or to control a team, Um, so that, that's very interesting too, Um, but the big thing for me is with these experiences, I'm, always 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 saying to myself okay don't forget what they're saying but sit down and you can see the whiteboards people who know me well make fun of me because I have about five or six of them in my room all the time wherever I live but I write these things down and I think okay how can I implement it down the line when I'm back in the hot seat somewhere you know or I'm somebody's assistant how can I use this information that these top players have gave me
0: to help me be a
3: better
2: coach. Smarter. Like yeah, I had like four questions and you answered every single one. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the culture and the kind of the things that you take away from different coaches. And the one thing I was going to ask as well: you're retaining so much information. How do you select what you really want to keep? Almost. Yeah. You know. So. I mean, you yeah. That's
1: that. That's a good one. How? do so honest. much. I,
2: I think that. I think that me and John are going through a process too of, of, of coaching, going through a coaching journey and we're watching top coaches, we're talking to people like you and we're retaining so much especially with this COVID period with so many webinars and we're buying books and everything and we're getting all this information and we're putting it into documents and, and then we're like this all doesn't even match Yeah. so how do you how do you decide what you really
1: yeah.
2: what, how your methodology and
1: your philosophy is? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great question and it's it's tricky. Um, I I don't really say it to many people, but for me, my brain works in a messed up way. <laughs> there's no other way to put it. I, I don't understand how it works. Like I have friends who can remember games where people have scored and they tell you the, the result and blah blah blah, and they're very specific. I, I can't I can't remember that sort of thing. Like if you ask me who Celtic played this third last game of the season and who scored I couldn't tell you but I'm a diehard Celtic fan you know but it's I just know that's the way my brain works but in terms of retaining the information I feel like it almost happens automatically like if I get good information I won't forget it and the stuff that I'm like eh, it's maybe good information it's maybe not it just disappears and I don't remember it at all but then what I also try to do is actually try and implement it even when I'm not the soccer field you know like I feel like me I'm a very sociable person so that's the kind of coach I am as well you know with the information that I have I'll try and use it if I'm sitting at a dinner table I've been invited to a birthday party and there's a bunch of people I don't know I can still go around the room mix and mingle talk to people and stuff like that or even when I was like on my master's course, I'm in, out of my depth, but then I think, okay, well, how can I use my soccer knowledge to then implement it into being in the academic side of things, you know? Um, so yes, it's strange, to be honest, That I, I don't know myself kind of how I cypher it and figure it out, but I feel like it's more the actual practical Doing it that helps me, and and that's probably one of the biggest things i took from a master's course is I understand how I learn now. You know, because going on these court courses and coach education workshops and stuff like that—that's how I learn. You know, like you could give me the best webinar or not even webinar—the best online thing from Pep Guardiola or whatever—I would probably struggle to digest it. But if you gave me 15 minutes to be close to Guadalupe or whoever, then I would get so much more from it just because of the visual side of things, you know, and the actual physically being there. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one that's, that I struggle with too, but I'm starting to understand, okay, that's, that's how I learn, sort of thing, you know. Uh,
0: try, just one last question. So you've mentioned it a couple times. How has your delivery changed? You talk about getting information from players and coaches and then how you might have to adjust your delivery when you're giving information to them. So how has that changed throughout your experiences? Because you said a couple of different times that you had to adjust it. So how has it progressed or changed?
1: Well, Let's just say... When I first came over to America, nobody could understand me talking to 100 so, <laughs> agree. <American. laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, yeah, it's, speech is a big thing, you know, um, something that I'm very conscious of because of that, like, yes, the Scottish accent is thick to people. Um, my friends back home, if they were to listen, they would make fun of me for talking so slow, you know, but... I've learned that I have to slow things down and then see it so people can understand me, uh, especially when I'm coaching, because that's when I get excited, that's when I get in the zone, so to speak, you know, and then I just start maybe talking that little bit faster. But also, um, from my master's degree, to be honest, like I took a lot of um, from that degree um, and Because it was a psychology and the organizational development, and the organizational development part of it, they teach you to look at things sort of from above, Mm. you know. So, I kind of take that stance now, and I mean, you have to as a coach as well, you know, you have to be hovering above everything and everybody and looking for, okay, what's best for the whole, not just the individual. Now, From that, you can still talk to an individual and suggest what you think is best for them, you know, but you have to always be looking at that whole picture first. So, for me, no matter where I am, I'm always looking at that whole picture. And then, if yourself, somebody else comes up to me, then I'll start to zone in on the person, the individual, and start to make it more specific from there. Um, from what I perceive and what I see and if it makes sense to them it makes sense if it doesn't then I always say to them ask me some more questions or let's go a little bit further in detail to see if we can get to somewhere where that actually does make sense to them
0: Mm. you know absolutely very good Jack you want to finish us off?
2: yeah I mean we could go all day (laughs) couldn't we? Um, so typically we end the pub with uh, your favourite soccer memory footballing memory so I mean you have a lot
1: I oh. guess Celtic versus AC Milan Champions League we beat them 2-1 I, there's not a description for the feeling who was in that Milan team there was what Kaká <laughs> I think that's enough <laughs> <is it? laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was in that team Um the thing is it's one of those where the game no not even kidding you. The game just became a blur after that goal because of the the euphoria. Yeah. You know, like I I just remember that and that only. Um I might not even play in the game, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was. Yeah, but what year was it? You know? It's what two thousand six. It? 2006 something yeah. like that so yeah it would have been Maldini, Shevchenko yeah. Nesta like exactly yeah. there, again there's a perfect example like of how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah. you rhymed off all those yeah. players there but I'm just like all I can remember is the euphoria yeah. of yeah. that goal and that game mm-hmm. and it's like but yeah that's mm-hmm. by far like I don't think that will ever be beaten yeah. to be honest just that yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's got a big smile on his um, face yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah
0: awesome Uh well Troy thanks again it's been uh, it's been a pleasure thanks for coming on the pod and uh, good luck in all your f- future so adventures we'll catch up
2: with a, a follow up episode for sure definitely and
1: yeah thank you guys and good luck for everything you do thank you thank you
0: back to another episode of Corn Fed Coaching. We are still in Kansas City, Missouri recording. Um, we are here with another fantastic guest, uh, Francisco Modiglia. Alright, nailed it. We nailed it. We got it. He'll, uh, he'll correct me, too. But, uh, again, thanks for joining the pod. As we always do, uh, we have the guests just jump right in. So if you want to give uh, the people a little bit of your background, how you got started in the game, and uh, what you're currently up to, it'd be yeah, great. Certainly.
3: So, yeah, no, you said it perfectly. Uh, Morgia is, 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 was perfect. so um, I'm actually born and raised here in Kansas City. Uh, I, had, yeah, I played short sure playing career but more or less geared my energy towards coaching. Mm. Uh, at a very young age, I decided to do my C license here that Kansas Youth Soccer Association offered back in 2012. Uh, did the course uh, started to apply to pretty much any coaching position that I could possibly find and, and essentially didn't get a response. Until a couple months after, and, and, and ended up getting an opportunity with Chicago Magic uh, in Chicago. So first as an administrator, but uh, then very shortly uh, after after being an administrator for the Development Academy, uh, I was also in charge of the residential program that they had. It was very very small. It was only a house where with approximately ten to twelve players. Uh, so just for training them in the morning, it gave me the opportunity to learn more and dig dig into more coaching opportunities. But then that same year. Uh, Went and, and, got, and signed up for the B license, uh, and then from there uh, got offered to, to do the A license the, the following year after that, and then gave me an opportunity to then join the Chicago Fire, the MLS Academy, uh, and then spent two and a half seasons there. Then went and, and an opp- took an opportunity in Los Angeles with Los Angeles Premier Sports, uh, which is now LA Surf, and then uh, after 18 months there. The past year, in 2019, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to go to the Barza Residency Academy uh, in Arizona. So uh, I've been in Kansas City now for the past six months on a, on, a, on a different kind of journey. Still, still with coaching, but more or less uh, really trying to get back to the community that, that I come from. So uh, in the short in the short answer, now I'm trying to do other other ventures, but still focus on on coaching
2: uh, more or less in the afternoons. Awesome. Well, um so let's go all the way back what was the what was the initial thought that you wanted to go into coaching instead of playing right away at a young age I
3: I had I had injuries that that motivated me to to get into into coaching because I at least in, in my own mind I thought that that I had good qualities and good ideas that maybe I just couldn't execute mm. on a consistent basis at least for that high high level uh, and then coming to to just have consistent um, neglect from that elite professional level of not being offered spots and whatnot to then gearing me towards towards preparing young players with the potential. Uh, So I started coaching a group of kids here in Kansas City. They were around 10 years old, inner city kids, and and after two and a half seasons with them, the, the large majority ended up joining the Kansas City Wizards Academy. Uh, and that led me to believe that, that at that point it was just volunteering, it was just because it was fun and I just was so competitive with the game that I wanted to just give them as much as I knew about it, to give them an edge and give them an advantage and that ultimately I think it helped them that then started to then motivate me, okay now I'm gonna do my C license, you know, and then that's what got me to do it. One of my uncles he, he helped me pay for the license and, and ever since then I just never looked back. I just kept motivated to take another course and take another course and take another course and it opened more opportunities for me
0: awesome um so kind of moving along the talk about the residential academy for the Chicago 90- Magic. yeah uh,
3: it, I, I think it's more and you guys have probably witnessed this but uh there's always those dad wolves that will do anything that anything for their kids seem to be awesome
0: yeah you know
3: so uh, and I'm very thankful for 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 the for the leadership there for, for trusting in in, in 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 me but ultimately also had an interest in and some of the players that were that were coming out of these, this program here in Kansas City uh, to offer them a couple of spots, uh, and then to to offer me an opportunity to leave my career, which at that point I was a gaucho chef at a Brazilian steakhouse called Fogo de Chao. Wow, uh, yeah, love so, <laughs> yeah, so I did that. I did that. I did that through college. Just uh, here, I was going to college here and playing indoor or whatever, and then but also working there at Fogo de Chao. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's actually what took me first to Chicago. Fogley Shao offered me a job as a gaucho trainer for other Gauchos in the city in in Chicago because they were opening up a new location and and this gentleman said you know what we really like your we really like your brother we really like the two players that are on that team we'd like to offer you a spot into this into this residency that when I got there was more just a house so, mm. so going back to that that Wolf Dad that wanted yeah. to do anything and everything for his children essentially uh seeked out talent from across the country and kind of put them in this environment where. The, the kids went to school online, uh, we, I trained them in the morning, and then after training, uh, they would, we, then we went to the development academy training, you know, so oh, wow. uh, food was, I was creative enough with my wife to create, to do food, and, and my brother was also, my older brother came on board, uh, as I kind of, to help us with transport and picking up kids that needed, needed a ride. Uh, we didn't have a lot of North Chicago, Waukegan area kids, that, if you're familiar with that area, there's a lot of crime, and there's a lot of uh, uh, Latino community there that, that seeks a lot of support. So there was already kids from Chicago that just needed a better environment mm. to be in, uh, all the way from their education and their nutrition, that it made sense for them to just stay with us. And then the others were just kids from all across the country. I mean, some of them are MLS players now. Now, uh, Some of them play, uh, with, have played with U.S. national team caps um, and... Uh, other, another one plays in Denmark, Sabi plays in Denmark, uh, Stephen Payne, he plays in Portugal, so there's, there's a couple out there. Others weren't even U.S. internationals. Uh, ben who who's a Zambian international, was there. Ernie uh, Bilola, who, he, he plays with Ponte Preta in Brazil, he's from Gambia, you know, he was there, so Chicago Magic ended up having a, a USYSA national championship at U-17 uh, in, in, during that time there, and then also... That generation, which I was fortunate to, to be a part of with another colleague of mine, uh, just as, I was just an assistant for the U16 team, but that team made it to the Development Academy Finals in Los Angeles. Uh, we we, had to, we got to play against LA Galaxy, Russell Lake Academies that now have players playing in the MLS, you know? So it was a, it was just a, a unique experience to be able to, to feel that so young for kids that you live with them, you get to feed them, you get to take them to practice in the mornings and then see them triumph. Yeah.
2: It was very fulfilling so it was beautiful yeah yeah it's awesome um, <laughs> talk about um, so you've been to some interesting places for, as far as Chicago LA Arizona talk about the different cultures that the, the soccer brings out how different is it in Chicago versus Arizona versus kind of LA
3: it's not different the ball is rolling the ball is rolling so there's no different. People, people make up a perception to make them still believe that it is different but it's not different it's a game and and the, the quality is so inconsistent all across the country that I'll tell you that it's poor because it's inconsistent but we want to seem to believe that it is different but it's really not different there's players that are really good that are playing in no infrastructure and there's players that are good that are playing in good infrastructure mm-hmm. so uh, the biggest difference I would say is across the country of all of my experiences is who's doing it for money and who is not
0: that's the biggest difference. Mm. Mm. Um, so let's keep going on that trick. So talk about... Um, but talk about... You've seen, obviously, the high, high levels of, of soccer, especially within the youth game. What like, what have you noticed, if, if it's a th- one thing or, or multiple things, is a mentality that takes those kids to a high level, that helps them achieve like all the all the successes? Do you think it's a, one thing in particular, or do you think it's...
3: Uh, I think... I, I, I would perceive that... that- It has to do more or less with the adults that are involved in the game. Mm. It's how much they, they, they want to save themselves from from their career and what they want to do that then will determine who they pick and choose as players. That it, like again, like I said, it's just based on the model that that you have and how you want to propose the game. I've seen kids that have talent to make it to a high level that don't that aren't even being. Asked to go to MLS drafts, you know? So Why so, do you think that is? Maybe a misperception, maybe misguidance. Maybe a lot enough people don't really know what they want to see in the game. Mm. So because they don't really know what they want to see in the game, so then they have a hard time um, picking what they want to see just because they have a hard time understanding it themselves, you know? So and that's just... I didn't learn that right away. It's just, I think we just learned that through experience, through seeing different kind of experiences day to day, all the way from the, the little tenure year old that plays uh, on, in the bricks in Chicago to the one that actually plays at
2: sort of Field, you know, coming coming forward, you know. So, um, yeah,
0: Yeah,
2: I got so many questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, what you're currently doing, and as far as like inner-city kids and kind of what the next steps are that you're putting in progress right now.
3: Yeah, so I I, I have this uh, dream or this vision that that kids. That, that kids can have an opportunity of, 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 a, of a true um, honest experience uh, and, and, and being the kid that's from this infrastructure that has lived through, through, through those days of having to drive 50 minutes just to go to practice and, and, and understanding then later that what, what the model that I was experiencing there and after seeing it across the country and realizing that it was just a ball that needed to be in, um, brings me to understand that, that there's enough children in this, in this city that, that could use an opportunity to, or an experience of, of guidance to be better people. And where I'm going with that is that if I can, if I can propose it, uh, an infrastructure that, that, that provides the game to kids at the same level that the one that could pay for the Barcelona Residency family could get, I can give it, give that to them and hope that in time they're going to triumph and be better just because I just know that people have potential. Anyone has potential. So that's what motivates me to give, to cater and give it to those children. Even if, even if from that infrastructure, a child goes to, or a player goes to a different level, that's completely fine because there's always going to be one right behind him.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, so, uh, you mentioned it So talk about A little, little bit About your time At the Barca uh, Academy uh,
3: I, w- I went first Thinking it was work And then later They got me to believe That it wasn't work mm. It was actually Just practice And then I Went even deeper And just Started to think of it As just playing mm. So all you're really doing Is playing You're playing You're playing You're playing You're playing in your mind What kind of game I need to give to a kid So that He has a good experience In the game And then that's that's ultimately the, the best the best part that I got out of it. Yeah, yeah. Is that
2: did uh, a lot of the curriculum and things like that come straight from Barcelona? Yes, and they, they installed it into the academy yes.
3: there. Yes. It's the it's the one and only uh, residency academy aside from La Masia in mm-hmm. the world for yeah. FC Barcelona. So uh, it is it is a pretty penny. Yeah. So so there is a lot of scholarship. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, let's say, good things that come out of it, you know, for sure. But then again, it, it's, it's still a business, you know. So, uh, because it has a business, people want good stuff, you know. So, of course, the content has to be mm. the right. same and identical from FC Barcelona's uh, La
2: Masyat, their the Barcelona's mm. and was I assume the goal was to almost seek out players to eventually possibly go over there? If, if
3: you if, if, if you would have been there with Armenis... They, they would have been honest to tell you That maybe at first it was just a business venture mm-hmm. But then the reality is is that There's potential everywhere Yeah, And so you live in a country with 300 million people Even if you Even if you You might not think so That talent is here mm-hmm. That talent is here in the country It's just more or less Do people know what they're looking for And then can they actually put it in the right kind of model sure. You know, It's just the unfortunate part about maybe that model Is that it, it only reaches a certain amount It doesn't reach enough
0: Mm. Who who uh, who is the director?
3: The the current academy director's name is Jeff. I think he's a Newcastle boy. Really really nice guy. Really nice guy. A there's, a, there's a big Philly mm-hmm. mob down there. I call sure. it Philly mob. So if it's ever gets to them, they know they know that it's the Philly mob. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so you, you mentioned a couple times about uh, sometimes people lack the vision in their head of what they want to see in the game, and that detracts from. The players because they don't know what exactly they're looking for. How do you? How did you develop yours, your vision for the game, and then that it allows you? And then how can people get a better vision of what they want?
3: I think it starts when you're born, mm. zero to three, zero to six. You start to really perceive it. Your everything that you learn, your balance, your your your, your way that you move, the way you try to get past people, and then from there, essentially. Uh, you just play, you have to just play a lot. The more you play, the more ideas you have, only because you don't want to lose. So, uh, after, you know, considering that that, that, that feeling that you could have as you get older, then, then you just have to go over and play by, by the rules. And the rules they are FIFA's rules. So whatever FIFA presents, you've got to be clever enough to, to understand everything and everything that goes into the game to then be able to, 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 to win. Ultimately, you know, to win. I, I, there's a lot. There's been a lot of debates, and a lot, I've heard a lot of stuff on uh, development of a winning business and development, development of a whatever. But ultimately, it's, it's. I mean, I mean, you do have to win. You do have to win, you know. So,
2: but it's how you win is is what's unclear for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Just have one more question for you. Uh, hit that soccer memory. So we had Troy on before, and we're in KC right now. You've been working in, coaching in three, four different states. Troy was different countries, different states. We both are still in KC. What's so special about Kansas City? What's the... It's in the middle of
3: the country. It's accessible to everybody. Uh, U.S. Soccer has their coaching education center here. Uh, I'm from here. Uh, I I can connect to pretty much anyone in the community, all the way from... from, uh, police officers to politicians to city officials mm-hmm. to the gang members you know so uh, at least for, for me it has potential that I've seen in all these other cities mm-hmm. to be happy and live here just like the people live in Lyon you know sure. I like to compare Kansas kind of City to, to mm-hmm. Lyon it has has rich culture it has art it has food it's not that big mm-hmm. you know if you still want to go to Paris it's only a two three hour train ride sure. if I really want to go to LA if I really want to go to New York I can just hop on a plane and, and I'll be there in four hours maybe, you know. So if you really want to experience something else, then I'll do it there. But here, I'm happy and there's family. Absolutely.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. Um, so as we always do, we end with a uh, favorite soccer memory. So it could be playing, coaching. What uh? What's your favorite soccer memory?
3: My favorite soccer memory was every single time my parents would take us out to dinner for whatever reason, I was just wanted to go outside and play soccer tennis with my brother. Yeah. So my best soccer memory growing up was playing soccer tennis every single time I could with my brother at any parking lot I could, and 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 that's one that, that has never left my mind because it's the one that that motivates me every day to do what I do. Awesome.
0: awesome. Great. Well, we'll uh we'll have to get back and we can dive more Definitely. in uh, yeah. what next time we're in KC. Absolutely. But we uh, appreciate you coming on yeah. and best of luck with everything you got going on.